You are warmly welcomed to listen to WDBE Talks, the podcast for the world of digital built environment. We invite you on a physical and virtual journey from Helsinki to Tallinn to celebrate the forerunners of the digital built environment. Hello and welcome to this episode of WDBE Talks. My name is Arni Heiskanen and my WDBE keynote speaker guest is Achim Menges. Achim, thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. So you are a registered architect in Frankfurt and professor at Stuttgart University. Uh, you are the founding director of the Institute of Computational Design and Construction and the director of the Cluster of Excellence called Integrative Computational Design and Construction for Architecture. What led you into robotics and digital fabrication? Well, I think my personal motivation is probably rooted in my experience as a student. Um, I studied uh, in the second half of the 1990s, um, where I think there was a lot of interest in so-called digital architecture. Um, but uh, what surprised me at that time is that um, there was a... Uh, clear, let's say, difference um, and maybe even a conflict between how we imagined architecture to be in the digital realm and then how it actually made the transition into physical structures and spaces. So I was um, a bit frustrated about uh, or surprised about the fact that there was not a higher level of integration where we actually use the computer not only to generate and explore a new canon of architectural forms, but also how we add, uh, let's say, intelligence in quotation marks to the way how we then actually build uh, and construct new kinds of architecture. So um, the way that uh, I got interested into digital fabrication that is actually through looking at, uh, let's say, references and past models of a higher level of integration um, between form, structure, and material, um, where there's not uh, this kind of typical predominance of an initially geometric, geometrically expressed architectural idea that then faces the problem of materialization but whether there are other ways of how you can think about, um, uh, let's say, form and structure. And one particularly interesting um, example for me was uh, the uh, work of Fry Otto, um, where I would say architectural form and the processes of materialization are inherently and inseparably related. And from that uh, stems the interest in saying, okay, now we have a new set of, uh, on the one hand, digital uh, and computational design methods uh, uh, at our hands and new kinds of ways of how we can actually materialize architecture through digital fabrication and especially robotic um, fabrication. And how can that lead to a higher level of integration um, and in that sense, not only result in, I would say, 
more effective uh, material constructs and structures, but also uh, a different kind of uh, architectural expression. And I would say that's what we have tried to explore in various different ways and using different uh, also material systems and materials um, over the last 20 years. I, I typically ask my guests about their vision. Do you have a vision that's driving you, um, maybe professionally or personally? Yeah, I think what uh, the vision that um, I have or that we also collectively pursue it, because I think it's not an individual endeavor, it's kind of an endeavor of a large team of uh, researchers at the Institute and designers um, at the office and also actually working together very often uh, in, in, in bigger teams, uh, also across disciplines. So, But I think the collective vision is that... Um, we, we are looking for a kind of new material culture in architecture that um, is based on the contemporary possibilities of computation design and digital fabrication. And uh, I would say over the last years, one uh, aspect um, that became particularly uh, important as a larger part of this overarching vision is that we see this kind of new material culture also as a way of addressing the serious um, environmental and ecological crisis that we're facing in the building sector. So we, we think that um, this is also the, uh, uh, really, uh, I would say there's a certain urgency to rethink design and construction because we know um, that the way we currently design and construct our buildings is not by any means future-proof and we need to uh, research and invent um, very different ways of um, actually coming up uh, with a way how we can basically realize a truly sustainable built environment in the future. And we are convinced, and maybe that's the important part, that's, that's our, let's say, because I think that's a concern that we share with the larger community. But what we think we can contribute is, uh, let's say, how computational methods can actually help um, achieving uh, this higher level of sustainability. Uh, as I mentioned, you are an architect and, and a professor, but and, and you've done <laughs> many things over the years, but what do you consider as your most significant professional achievement so far? I think the, my, uh, my uh, biggest achievement is maybe um, creating a, a research and design environment, um, both at the University of Stuttgart, now actually consolidating the larger cluster of excellence, which is home to more than 130 uh, researchers, and uh, still being able to bridge uh, towards practice and application. Um, so the kind of building this kind of research design and application environment uh, is something that I feel uh, very privileged uh, of having. And I think it's something that I also consider to be a role model of how we want to conduct 
research, including actually uh, manifesting the research as buildings in the future. And I would say that's that's really the uh, what I feel um, a bit proud about. Yeah, you and your teams are experimenting with new technologies and materials. What would it take to scale up those experiments into commercially available applications? So I think this is something that uh, we are always envisioning. And I think this is also something where we aim to um, maybe reframe a bit of what constitutes research in architecture, because I'm convinced that um, the traditional, let's say, delineation between research and application, as we know it from many other fields, does not really fit architectural research. So we feel that um, the, con the actual architectural manifestation, which we typically call a building, uh, has to be part and parcel of uh, architectural research. And um, that's why we're currently actually um, uh, uh, concluding, I would almost say, or coming to a preliminary uh, conclusion of many different research streams in larger permanent buildings. Um, for example, we are currently designing um, a, a large uh, building at the campus of the University of Stuttgart that ultimately will become home uh, of the Cluster of Excellence. Um, and uh, there we have the unique opportunity um, to really uh, implement our research um, as an architectural project. Um, of course, the difference here is that this is still a research project, but it also still needs, but it also needs to comply with all the requirements of a permanent building. Um, and this is something that uh, we have accomplished already several times. So um, some of the projects you mentioned, like, uh, for example, the, the Buga Wood Pavilion or the Buga Fiber Pavilion, those are all buildings in public spaces that needed to comply with all German building regulations, the full approval process, the permitting, the certification. Um, this is probably less obvious in the photos that you see online, but this is part and parcel of what we are trying to achieve also to show how innovation in academia can really make its way into the industry. Um, so um, we're really uh, working um, in parallel, on the one hand, on generating new or exploring new fundamental research directions, and at the same time, on implementing some of the research that has consolidated uh, a bit more and has been developed uh, to a point where we can really uh, implement it in, uh, and transfer it into the industry, um, primarily through the design and construction of real buildings. And, and I think that's also important, uh, through, um, for example, uh, startups uh, that take these innovations to the building industry, of which we also have some um, that come out of the academic environment that we've built. Here in Europe right now, we are facing energy and also environmental and human humanitarian crises. And globally, of course, we have uh, huge substantial environmental challenges. Um, how can the construction sector 
let's say, in general, become a positive force in solving our problems instead of creating new problems? That's one of our main concerns uh, that uh, currently, um, let's say, our activities um, in the building sector are actually causing some of those problems. And to a larger degree, then I would say general society is still aware of. Um, so I think I'm still a bit surprised that uh, uh, generally, I think mobility and agriculture are identified as uh, causes of environmental problems, construction less so, but um, this may also change uh, very soon. Um, so what we are looking at is how can we, let's say, um, address these environmental, socio-cultural and socio-economical um, challenges. And I think the good thing about construction is that if we find a way how we can address it is that because there's such a huge volume of construction that we can also make a significant contribution um, to solving those or addressing these problems. Uh, one example, and this is probably an example that is now uh, well known in, uh, of course, uh, especially in Europe, but also beyond is that uh, if we manage to change a significant amount of construction from uh, concrete structures to timber structures, we get an immediate and positive effect um, on both, let's say, the carbon storage that we achieve through that, um, the replacement of CO2 emitting materials, and uh, potentially even through um, uh, uh, better CO2 storage, even in the forestry and uh, 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 silvicultural uh, activities that take place. So I think there we have to, we have an opportunity, but we need to, um, let's say, answer that collectively as uh, participants in the various uh, uh, areas of the building industry um, uh, and make a major step forward. And that's also what we are, what we are researching on, especially in regards to timber construction, um, as one facet of building with naturally renewable uh, materials. Um, we're not just looking at timber, we're also looking at uh, faster growing materials as for example, flax and hand fiber, um, because they are probably more suitable for certain applications uh, than uh, timber that grows for over longer crop cycles. Um, but I think here, uh, I think, as, as a community, we are facing the challenge that we are, cause, we are significant contributors to the problem, but we may also be uh, able to offer a significant contribution to addressing them. And I think it's really about getting our act together and now um, also acting swiftly on these issues. Construction is a huge generator of waste, and we are now talking about circularity as a solution. Is that something that you're also looking into? Absolutely. I mean, uh, with the construction industry being responsible for 50% of global waste, um, there's a clear and unavoidable incentive for anyone uh, in the industry uh, engaged with designing and constructing buildings to addressing this issue. 
And um, circularity is, uh, of course, an absolutely important concept. And what we are currently working on is looking at what level of, uh, let's say, circularity do you really need for what kind, what part of the building? Um, so uh, this is something that we can very nicely or very good uh, uh, or I think computation modeling really can help contributing, for example, having insights on that level. Um, also in better tracing materials. I mean, I think that's that's clear. Um, but uh, um, I think that uh, the kind of different levels of designing for disassembly and designing for reuse that we need in different kinds uh, of our uh, structures. That's that's a crucial component in achieving a higher level of sustainability and avoiding waste. Yeah. But I think that the, the first and most important way of avoiding waste is actually lightweight construction, uh, that, you, that you don't even have uh, materials in your building that you don't need, uh, and thus you also don't have to worry about their reuse. And I think that's one of the really crucial components uh, in our research that we say we need to get to the point where we also have lightweight, for example, lightweight primary structures, also in timber structures, um, not only because that resource is also scarce, but um, because the less material you have, the less you have to worry about um, its eventual reuse in the future. And unfortunately, the challenge we're facing with these kind of lightweight concepts is that um, while I would say from a structural and from a construction fabrication point of view, we have novel concepts from a building physics point of view, thermal comfort, acoustic comfort, we currently still have only one uh, way of addressing those issues and that's adding mass. And of course, adding mass means adding material. Um, and I think we also need to urgently explore alternative concepts of how we can ensure decent uh, acoustic and thermal qualities without always um, coming back to actually adding mass. That's one of the key research areas that we have in a cluster of excellence. Um, and I think this is a different way of looking at circularity because it's basically avoiding uh, excessive material use to start off with. No? Well, as a, let's say, innovator and, and creator of new things and new methods, uh, of course, it's, I would imagine it's not always easy to communicate these ideas and find the clients and, and partners who understand what you're doing and the importance. Uh, how have you... What kind of feedback have you got from your, let's say, from clients and, and partners uh, about what you're doing? Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, and uh, I would say one of the things that I have become increasingly aware over the last 20 years of conducting this kind of research and trying to innovate is that, of course, there are certain technical barriers we're facing. Uh, and this is something we can address with our uh, competence and further developing, uh, let's say, uh, computational methods and construction methods. Um, but this is only one aspect. Um, 
the real uh, or sometimes the real problem are the non-technical barriers um, that we are facing that are deeply embedded in our institutions, in our delivery models, in our, um, uh, uh, let's say, building codes, um, in the whole, let's say, framework um, of uh, regulations, institutionalizing um, of how we actually deliver um, the design and the construction of a building. Uh, and um, that's also why in our class of excellence, we have as a very prominent part, um, social science um, embedded um, that look at um, the barriers for technical innovation um, with a particular focus on the building industry, um, where this has not been as well researched as in other areas, as for example, for renewable energies. Um, so I think the interesting thing is that we are facing a similar situation. Everyone uh, may agree on a political level that we need more sustainable construction. But then beyond that overarching goal, um, once we get to how do we actually do it, how do we implement it, um, it gets a lot more uh, tricky. And, um, and this is something that I think is, is, a, is a key component in addressing uh, in our research, because that's really one of the key obstacles uh, for transferring uh, new, innovative, and explorative ways um, in the kind of rapid, in a rapid manner that we now urgently need uh, into um, uh, the application in the building industry. Um, so the non-technical barriers is something that we uh, that we're very closely scrutinizing, and I think they are typically also the ones that really are um, the deal breakers for uh, seeing uh, innovation, making it from academia to, to industry. You are um, an upcoming WDBE keynote speaker. Can you give us a hint about what you're planning to cover in your presentation? Sure, yeah. Um, I, I will talk about how, uh, let's say, a higher level of uh, integration of design and construction that is uh, an important um, stepping stone towards more future-proof and sustainable architecture uh, is something that is tangible and achievable, not in the near future or in the long term, but is something that we can do already now uh, and show some examples of how we could do it. And also, of course, talk a little bit about um, the obstacles that we face um, to um, basically roll it out on a larger scale. Finally, how can our listeners find more information about your work and how, how can they connect with you? Um, you're more than welcome to uh, have a look at uh, the website of my institute, which is uh, very easy to find. It's just uh, icd.uni-stuttgart.de. Uh, and um, if you just Google my name, you'll find also the direct link to um, my webpage, which is a sort of archive and summary of the various research area, research directions and uh, building projects that have been um, the result of the last few years. Um, so I think that's the first step. Um, and then of course, you're, I'm always, 
happy to be contacted through the um, contact details that are indicated on the website. Akim, it has been a pleasure talking with you and uh, let's meet at WDBE. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it and uh, see you there. Thanks for listening. Join us at wdbe.org. Boom, boom, boom.